Today we're going to continue in the series, The Foundation of Truth, but the um, subtitle of this message is called uh, The Love of God. This will be part two. A brief recap. The things that people, that divide people in the world, such as age, political beliefs, economic status, race, theology, etc., should, should not be allowed in the body of Christ. We must not allow it and must be the example of what true unity is. There's a lot of turmoil in the world, and the main focus on on these messages was on the social unrest because of racism, and how we who are in Christ must live. The Bible says that we are the light of the world, we are the salt of the earth. So there is, those are just words, there's something that has to reveal what that light is. There's something that has to reveal who we are. And when Jesus said that we are the light of the world, there is an evidence of something that has to be seen. And one of the the main things that should be seen in the church is how people of different races can be one and can live together as one and be united. Okay, That is the evidence that must be manifested in the church. So last time I was in the book of John, chapter 1 and, and chapter 13. And I covered how much God was willing to humble himself to redeem man. The word which was in the beginning, through that word all things were made. That word came into time and space in the form of his own creation, man. And that was the man Jesus, confining himself to time and subjecting himself to the fallen world. He was made lower than the angels and came in the form of a servant to do the Father's will. And before going to the cross, Jesus, as Lord and teacher, humbled himself. He lowered himself to serve the disciples. He washed their feet as an example of the attitude that's required to serve. He also humbled himself and willingly washed Judas' feet, even though he knew that the devil had already put in Judas' heart to betray him. He washed his feet. He didn't treat Judas any different than the other eleven. So we are to serve all in Christ. As long as they're in Christ, whether we like them or not, is irrelevant. We have to serve them. Race should never be an issue in the church, in the body of Christ. We are to also love those outside the church. That includes people who discriminate, also racists. We have to have compassion because we understand that they are lost. We once were blind, but now we see. The racists, the, those who discriminate, they are blind. They are not seeing clearly. They have eyes to see, but they cannot see. They have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. We once were lost, but not anymore. So we have to have compassion. And we have to pray for them. Because the mind of God is to pull as many as possible from darkness into light. That's how we always have to remember. There may be people we don't like, things we don't agree with. But understand, those people are lost. And we have a heart, have the same heart that God has, willing to show compassion. That is not easy. We get angry, but we have to, the Bible says, be angry. There's a righteous anger that's allowed, but don't allow that anger to cause you to sin or to pollute your heart. We have to be guard against these things. Whatever Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. He was always submitted to the Father's will. He was sent by the Father to to do His will. 
And he also required the disciples also to do his will. Because when he washed their feet, he said, What I do now, you won't understand now, but later you would understand. He was given an example of the heart that they need to have to serve not only him, but to serve one another. They are to serve in humility, not only serving each other, but others in the faith. Okay, so that's just a brief recap of what I talked about last week. Today I want to continue with the love of God, focus on, we're talking about race and race relations in the church. So I'd like us to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 25 through 37. Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. 25, Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, who him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you shall live. Verse 29. But he, that's a lawyer, wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Verse 34. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. One specific thing I want to focus here, not the whole, all the scriptures, but I read the whole thing so you have to understand the context of what is happening. So I want to first define compassion because I want to make sure that we all understand what it means. So when I'm speaking about the the text, you have a full understanding of what I'm talking about. The word compassion in in the Greek from the concordance means feel sympathy to pity. Now in the dictionary, it, it means sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And sympathy means feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. 
So the specific thing I want to focus on here, focusing on the love of God, there's one thing I want to point out. So we know what the definition of compassion is. Feeling sympathy and to pity. Feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Jesus said, a certain man. Now when he answered the lawyer, he didn't answer the lawyer with an answer. He answered him with a, with a story. And based on the story, the lawyer comes up with the answer. Okay, So Jesus said, a certain man. A certain man, Jesus said that for a reason. A certain man can be anyone. He never said it was a Jew. He never said it was a Samaritan. He never said it was a Gentile. He said a certain man. So the point that was made with that, it was, doesn't matter who it was. Someone was mugged and needed help. That person was robbed, stripped of their clothing, and beaten and left for dead. And then Jesus went on to say here, he said the priest came down, saw him, went on the other side and went his way. And so did the Levite. So the, the priest and Levite represent the religious people. And they should know better because they are supposed to be the closest to God and be the example of God's love. But they saw that person at the side of the road, beaten, helpless, and they just went their way. Now, he said, Jesus said, a certain Samaritan. And it's amazing that Jesus, Jesus used the Samaritan. And I'll explain to you why I believe he used the Samaritan as the, as the example. The Samaritans at that time were considered by the Jews to be inferior people. So the Jews considered themselves to be pure, they, uh, well, they were pure descendants of Abraham. And they hated the Samaritans because they were considered impure. So whenever the Jewish people, whenever they traveled from the south of Israel to the north, to Galilee, there was a region almost in the center where the Samaritans occupied. And the, and the Jews, the, the religious people, they always would go out of their way not to go through the area of, of the, where the Samaritans lived because they never wanted to deal with them. They could consider themselves, the Samaritans, inferior to them. Because the Samaritans weren't pure blood. They were mixed race. They were descendants of Jews who intermarried with non-Jews. And there's a whole history behind that. But the point I wanted to make here was that the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And that this, it was interesting that Jesus used this Samaritan as the example. Now the Samaritan, as we see from the reading, had compassion and showed mercy. And the purebloods, the, the priests and the Levite also who serve in the tabernacle, they were purebloods and they did nothing to help the situation of this person who was hurt and robbed. So this act of love by the Samaritan showed that it is not enough to only have compassion, but also to show compassion and mercy. A lot of people have compassion. A lot of people feel sympathy and they feel sorrow, but they don't act on it. It is always about meeting the needs, someone's needs, especially when they are powerless. So the Samaritan met the need of someone who was injured, robbed, and beaten because that person was left in a half dead and couldn't do anything about their condition. So he not only had compassion, he showed compassion and mercy. So when a person is not in a position to relieve their situation, the one who has the power to change that, 
steps in to meet that need. That is what happened in this, in this circumstance, in this story. Now the church has failed over the centuries to deal with racism, which has become a systemic problem and a stronghold. None of us here who understand spiritual things would disagree that racism is a stronghold. And it's not only a stronghold in this country, but it's a global stronghold. Racism and discrimination occurred because of the many silent voices, especially in the church, which represented priests and the Levite, because they saw something and did nothing about it, who saw a people being mistreated and did nothing about it. The Samaritans saw the plight of the person who was robbed, beaten and left for dead. He acted. It was inconvenient for him, but he did something about it and showed compassion. So the lack of love many times is easy to justify for many. Fear is a powerful spirit. You will hear white people say that black people are dangerous. They are loud, they are obnoxious and angry, etc., then you hear black people say that white people are liars, manipulators, and cannot be trusted, and so forth. People will always find a reason to dislike or hate another race. The cop who had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck, for example, had the power to show compassion and mercy. So did the other officers who were with him. Some of the other cops maybe had compassion for what was being done, you know, had compassion for Mr. Floyd, but they did nothing about it. They did not want to upset the status quo or seen as going against their own. And that is a problem. When people see the mistreatment of others and say and do nothing, this attitude does not belong in the body of Christ. We must not and cannot allow this type of behavior. We have to understand and love people the way God loves and see each other the way God sees us. We have to see each other the way God sees us. We cannot be complicit when our brethren are mistreated and must help those who are powerless. So if we are when we are in the body of we are in the body of Christ, if we are in the church building and we see things that are not right, we must speak up. We cannot be complicit and we cannot let those things slide. You know, we say, and ah, we let it slide because that's just the way they are. No, we, we cannot do that. Because when you do that, you allow that sin to perpetuate. You allow it and you say that it's okay to be like that. This is a new season and a new time for the church. We cannot allow these things. But you speak up in a respectful way. When you see these things, you address it in love. Because we are responsible. We are our brother's keeper. And if we are, say we love Jesus, we cannot allow one race or one other type of people to be treated any different than we would want to be treated. Everyone in the body of Christ must be treated the same way and loved the same way. When we see error, we must speak up. We cannot Go with the status quo because we don't want to ruffle people's feathers. We don't want to upset people. Sometimes having to stand for what's right, having to stand for righteousness costs something. It will cost us something. It will cause our life to become messed up and or messy. We cannot be complicit. This is a new dawn. This is a new, a new day. 
The Lord is speaking to the church about what we need to be doing. And we have to have the courage and the guts to do it. So understanding that our neighbor is anyone who is in need. That is the whole point of this story, this parable Jesus gave. Anyone, our neighbor is anyone who is in need. Race, background does not matter. It is not a determining factor in who we should and should not help. Therefore, we, can, we cannot categorize people by how they look or by how we feel or by our biases. We have to look at people the way God sees them. God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. And we also have to look at our, each other the same way. We must have compassion and show mercy. It's not enough to have compassion. It's not enough to feel sympathy. We have to act. We have to do something to relieve the burden for our brother or our sister. This is the heart of God. And this is the mind of Christ. The power of a united front with one voice can affect change. In the church, we must have a united voice against racism. It must not be tolerated. And as I said, these messages are only focused on the social unrest, on racism. And my focus is on the church first and then the world. We must speak up and speak out against it in the church and outside the church. Showing the love of God, as I said many times, can be, can be inconvenient and will be inconvenient and costly because it requires us to get out of our life of ease. The Samaritan was on his way doing his thing, going about his business. But he stopped to help a person who was in need. It cost him his time. It cost him financially. But sometimes, many times, that is what is going to be required for us to stand for what's right. To stand for our brother. To be our brother's keeper. It's going to cause our lives to get messy. But that is what is required at times to express and show the love of God. So a perfect example Jesus gave in John chapter 3. I don't want you to turn there. I'm going to, just going to quote the scripture. And Jesus gave the perfect example of the love of God, which is analogous or similar to this story that he gave with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. He said, For God so loved and greatly prized the world, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, that he gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son or his Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God knew Man could do nothing about his sin condition. Man, apart from God, had a death sentence. So God sent his son to pay the penalty and redeem man so that man had an out. A way to be reconciled to God and be free from sin. God had compassion and showed mercy. God did not only have compassion, he acted and he showed mercy. Man had no power to change their outcome. So God stepped in to change the outcome. The man, the certain man who was robbed and beaten and left at the side of the road for dead 
He had no power to change his outcome, his circumstance. He was at the side of the road suffering, bleeding. So the Good Samaritan, this person stepped in to affect the outcome of this person's life. The person couldn't do anything about their situation. But this Samaritan stepped in, bound his wounds, poured oil and wine, put him on his own animal and take him to a place where he can be cared for. It's the same thing God did for us by sending Christ. It's the same story. It's the same example. The man who was mugged only had to receive the help. There was nothing he did for the Samaritan that warranted the Samaritan to help him. He didn't deserve the help. But he had to receive the help. For his situation to change, he had to be willing to receive that help. And I don't think he was in any condition to to resist. So he did nothing to deserve it. Neither was man of his sin. We did nothing to deserve the help, but God, in his compassion and mercy, sent his son to do something about our condition so that we have an out. We didn't do anything to deserve it. That's why the Bible says, by grace we are saved. Through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. What is that gift? God showed us mercy and compassion by sending his son to pay the penalty. As the good Samaritan paid the price, whatever it took to house and care for this person who was beaten and battered, the Samaritan paid the bill. To overcome racism in the body of Christ requires a heart of love, which comes from a new way of thinking. It requires the mind of Christ and an understanding of the love of God. And what's important, we have to have the courage to act. We are here to help one another. If somebody asks you for a fish, would you give them a stone? No. They are in need of something. You give them what they ask for. Don't worry. You see, the thing is, oh, we don't want to give it to them because they might want to use it for X, Y, and Z. My responsibility as their brethren in Christ is to help them. If it is in my power to help, that's my responsibility is to help that person. Because I am my brother's keeper. I cannot worry about whether that person is is black, white, Asian, Indian. That's irrelevant. I cannot worry about if that person is rich or poor. The capacity in which I can help my brother, that's the capacity I should step in and help. If it's within my power to do so. So this is the mind we have to have of Christ. We are, not, we are not responsible to think if that person deserves our help or not. We are not called to be judges. We are called to show compassion and have mercy. Because once you have made a determination that this person over this person requires or deserves my help, you have made yourself a judge. And that is not the mind of God. Because the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... Whosoever believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Why? Because God did not send his son in the world to judge the world. He did not send Jesus to condemn a person, but to offer help. And the help is free to whomever wants it. God didn't discriminate and said it's only the Jews or it's only the Gentiles. He says whosoever wants the help can have it. Because the price has already been paid. 
So God did not determine and said any race is deserving over another. It's anyone who wants it can have it. And we in similar fashion, we have to show that same compassion. And we are not to determine if one race or one type of people are more deserving of our help than another. That is not the mind of God. That is not the heart of God. So we have to be very careful of how we walk. And not only to love each other, but also to love those in the world. We are not the ones to determine who will deserve our help or not. We are to love each other the same way and love others in the world. Even if they don't love us, even if they don't care about us. We have to show them compassion. As as the Bible says, love your enemies. And I've said this before. There could be someone who don't like you, who hates your guts. But if you see that person in a situation where they can't help themselves and they're in a tight spot. If it's in our power to help that person, we should do it. We should do it. Why? Because the whole purpose of the love of God is to show that person love who don't love us. So that they would have an opportunity to be pulled from darkness into light. Because the person who is hateful or who's, who hates, they are, they are in darkness. They are blind. They cannot see We always have to see things from God's eyes. We get upset, we get angry about things. But understand that God is a God of mercy and He's a God of compassion. Even the most wicked person on this earth, why are they still alive? You know, we always say, why are these people, the wicked, why are they still alive? How are they living so long? Because God is a God of mercy. God is a God of compassion because once they are released to Satan, there is no turning back. They don't have another chance. God always gives people chance after chance after chance so that they can turn from their sin and repent and be called from darkness, pulled from darkness into light. Always. He's always about giving people a chance to redeem, to be redeemed and be reconciled to Him. And my God, that is a, that is a heart of God, that is a mind of God. I mean, that is something that's really hard to fathom, that, that love of God. Compassion and showing mercy to people who don't deserve it. So let us understand today that, we, that what the love of God is, we are still unfolding. We're still having to learn and understand what that means. How can God love that way? I don't ask God, I don't ask the Lord that anymore. He showed it to me. And it's a love that we, once you understand it, once you get it, you'll never be the same. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. You know, and I hope I'm giving you something for you to meditate on. I hope I've given you something that you can take and put into practice. Because it's very important that we guard our hearts. We don't allow the things in this world to corrupt our heart and make us bitter and angry people. Because what you're doing, you're allowing your peace to be stolen from you. You're allowing your blood pressure to go up. You're allowing things to happen in your body. And you're allowing the enemy to have dominion over you. Do not let sin reign in your body. Do not let anger consume you. Because that is the scheme of the enemy. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. 
Lay hold of eternal life. Walk in the love of God. Love your brother. Love your neighbor. And we understand who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is anyone who needs our help. So I'm going to stop there as I said. I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.